from the Summit in Scottsdale, Arizona, the Gore presents Sales Training Boot Camp with Scott Warman and Carson Vaughn. Today's topic, recruiting and developing the next generation. Let's make sure everybody's in the right class. It is recruiting and developing the next generation. My name is Scott Foreman. I've been in the Corps for a little over 10 years. I've been a coach for eight years. I was that guy that uh, came in and thought he knew more than he really did know. And I've been learning ever since. Um, made a ton of mistakes. I've worked a lot. Um, I am really excited to be coaching with Carson Bond. Uh, Carson is your your typical guy in the core that is like the perfect you want to talk to Carson today if you get a chance Carson's guy that consistently closes close 25 loans he is uh, he is the grinder you know Rick always talks about a grinder so Carson is is the grinder Carson Want to tell me about yourself a little bit? Sure. Um, I'm Carson. Uh, the, the funny thing is Scott and I were both 10-year graduates at this, at this event. Let me lower this a little. There we go. Perfect. Both 10-year graduates. We've got the valedictorian of the class, $7 million bucks a year, big branch, 250 loans a month, and then there's me, right? And I'm kind of at the bottom of the class and took a really long time to get there. Um, but... The bottom of the class still looks pretty good, and I'm so pretty proud to be in that company. Um, I've been in the business 18 years. I've been part of the core for about 10 years now and have built a small branch with the MLA program that we're going to talk to you guys about. And I'm really excited, a little bit nervous, to be, co- to be teaching with Scott. Um, what I love about Scott is he is so humble. He's the biggest guy in the room, the biggest earner, but he's got the biggest heart. And he's just such a humble authentic, lovable kind of guy. He's a little hard to understand, so make sure you guys are paying attention. But I'm super excited to teach with you today. It's my honor, and let's let's go to town. Beautiful. Um, I'll tell you a real quick story. So I'm from New York, so I have a New York accent. So there was one time that Roy was in the back of the room, and I was talking. And I was talking about real estate agents. And I kept referring them to agents, you know, and we do this with our agents, we do that with our agents. And at the end of the, the breakout session, Roy comes up to me and he goes, I didn't know you do so much work with Asians. I'm like, <laughs> sorry, Jermaine, no. Um, but, no, but it's really true. So if anybody doesn't understand me, just raise your hand. Um, does anybody know the average age of a loan officer? 55, right? They say, I just read an article the other day, it was 54, um, which means, means that guys like me are, uh, are at the tail end of our career, and we have to bring in more talent, right? And we have a choice. We could bring in talent that has experience, but what happens with experience? They have bad habits. What else? Anybody else? Prima Donnas, we have a lot of those. They want sign-on bonuses, okay? But then they can't, then they're like, oh, I don't do all my production. My assistant does the production, and they put it in my assistant's name, but this is really my volume, so I want this kind of sign-in bonus. Or we could hire somebody that has no experience. And that's really this what this class is all about. It's really looking at how to hire, 
right? So we have three objectives, and I want to make sure I get these very clear. Um, the three big takeaways to this class are where to find them and how to hire them. The second one is how to train them and develop them. And the third thing that we want you to take away is how to keep them. We're also going to tell you a few mistakes that we made because we made a lot. Um, so my vision in, in my office was I was going to create a, an apprentice program and I figured this was going to be kind of easy. So I'm going to just give you my, my actual stats. So Connie in my office gave me this before I left. Um, so I hired my first three MLAs in January 2015. All three fell out. One fell out after five months, one after seven months, and one I lost about 13 months. Now you're saying to yourself, well, how can you be teaching this class? So I called up Rick and I really worked on it because, you know, when things get really frustrating, I'll call Rick and he'll yell his way through, but I'll get what he says and I'll implement it. So in March of 2016, I hired four, two fell out, two are still with me. Um, one averages three million a month, the other averages a little over two million a month. February 2017, I hired three. All three are still there. Um, March 2016, I added 165 million to my production. Woo! Um, February 2017, so all three of them are there. That was $116,000 to my production, for my branches production. January 2018, I hired uh, three. One fell out. Two are still with me. Um, one's a loan officer. One is a LP2 now, which is an awesome LP2. Um, in February 2019, I hired one. Um, and 2019, by the way, was a terrible start. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something. And I see Todd in the room, so I'm going to actually tell you this story, okay? So I've never really told anybody this story. So December was like so-so. January, anybody have anybody, anybody had a bad, real bad year, real bad month, like me in January? You think like the sky was falling? I'm like, all right, I've been through this before. I have no problem. February, it was still horrible. Our numbers were horrible. Um... For the first time, I said, you know what? I may have to let somebody go. The beginning of March comes. And I said, I know it's going to turn around. I've been doing this a long time. So I started to like, doubt myself a little bit. And I started, you get those, you know, listen, we get 100 emails a day. And you get those emails. You can buy leads. I didn't even open them up. Well, the beginning of March, I read the email. I actually read that email. And I was thinking about, am I doing something wrong? I started really second-guessing myself. And you know, what I ended up doing was not buying leads, by the way. Never do that. <laughs> but just to show you that you, I don't care how long you've been in this business, you have fear. There is a fear. And I had a little bit of fear. And I just worked with our staff, our entire staff. And we worked on generating more leads, going deeper with our relationships. And that's what Rick was focusing in on. Um, so what I want to get today, what I want to do today is, you know, we have two different models. We have the same, very similar model, but we have two different structures. Um, 
Carson closes about what, 40, 50 loans a month? At the branch. Yep. At the with, branch? With two junior LOs plus my production. Okay. And I have 22 loan officers, and we close, um, last month we closed 232. The month before we closed 272. And, you know, we're at between, in January, 180 loans a month to up to 280. So you're going to have two different perspectives. Um, Carson, you're going to tell us a little bit about how you're set up. Sure. So um, a little bit of honesty here, right? So I struggled in the beginning with hiring people. And when I reflect on it, it was because I had a fear of letting people down. Right. I didn't want to um, get someone's I didn't want to convince someone to come work for me. And then my insecurity of maybe not being able to to keep the business going enough to really deliver to them what I promised and I didn't want to let people down. And so I had that fear. So I had to think about, okay, if the fear is letting people down, then what's the opposite of that fear? Building people up, right? So this class is about growing and building and developing people, right? So if my fear is letting people down, then I need as many opportunities to make an impact on someone and grow and develop and train them. And yesterday when Rick said growth, everything is growth in, 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 in his life, right? With all of his students, with all of his staff, that's really what this is about, right? It's, it's who to find, how to hire them, what to look for in them, how to believe in them, pour into them and grow them. So I've struggled with this and we'll talk about some mistakes if there's time at the end of the class. Um, but for me, I've got um, one guy that started three years ago at $46,000 a year as an LP1 for me. We rolled him to um, an MLA after about three months. He got licensed. Um, he was a junior loan officer his second year. He went from 46. Um, Aaron went to 110 his second year, 220 his third year. This year he'll make 325. Right. And so that success story I got to hold on to and not the five other that didn't work. You heard Scott when he was talking about his journey, hired two, none made it right. Hired three, two made it. Hired three, one made it. So what's the point of that? Keep hiring, keep taking chances, right? Not everyone's going to make it. But what we found when we were comparing notes is that there were some things that I was doing that were, that were really good that, that, that Scott liked. And there were a lot of things that he was doing that he really liked. And so we're teaching this class now for the first time and we're really excited about it. So um, with who and how, can I get started with the yeah. who and how? Cool. So the who and the how, where do we find these people, right? Who are these people? We're looking for the next Scott. I'm looking for the next Josh Osborne. I'm looking for the next Josh Sigmund, right? I'm looking for the next guy that wants a chance at learning a career. And, 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 and what is he buying in? What is he getting? Right? He's buying me, so to speak, right? He's taking a chance on becoming me. What I can deliver to him is the promise of teaching him a career in this business. The same exact thing that all of you guys can do. So when we think about how do we find these people, right? Where did, where did, where did you come from? So take just a second, if you will, and go around the table and share with the table how you got into the business, what you did before you got into the business. And let's get thinking about where to find these people.
Okay. Thank you. Let's go. We'll go table by table. Who's got the best one ever here? Josh, come on. First in Felby. First recruit meals in uh, insurance sales. Why I don't get an override on you, I don't know. I know. But I deserve something, I know. right? You know what? I come like on. that. I like that. That was good. Okay. What do you guys got? Hire from uh, Enterprise, your sales people from Enterprise, and your LP1s from Ritz-Carlton. Oh, I like Ooh. that. Nice. That is excellent. What? Sales training and Enterprise, Enterprise and Ritz-Carlton. Who doesn't know better customer experience? That's great. Anybody at this table? Commercial lenders seem to be at our table. Commercial lenders. Okay. Let me get a couple more. Let's go this one in the back. Ours was, uh, we, uh, we got into the business as when we were buying houses, so like look at our current clients that could be loan officers. Oh, current clients. I wonder how often that happens. Okay. This table? We had a lot of friends and family. Friends and family? I like that, Brian. I fell into it. Because you haven't met me. What about this table? Banking, salespeople. Banking, salespeople. So I'm curious. Let's do a show of hands by a show of hands. When you got into this business, was this your first real career, like right out of college? How many people this was their very first career? Wow. Like unskilled first career. Yeah. Half this is half the half room, the room and, and, and we're talking about all superstars, right? Yeah. There's a big takeaway there. How do you like that? So this is why the MLA program is so important, right? This is why you hire them. When you hire them, you have a great training program. Um, just a couple of things. I know Rick talked about hiring people from a kiosk, okay? I mean, they are used to dealing with a lot of people, people having to overcome objections, uh, people ignoring them. They got to they persevere. Um, I hired somebody that was... A hairstylist, not mine, um, but uh, <laughs> but a hairstylist, and she was used to. I mean, she she was it was an upscale beauty salon, and she had to deal with the toughest clients. She is a rock star in our office now. Um, it's also okay. I think the MLE program should include a loan officer with less than three years experience. Um, I have one guy, I don't know if he's in this class today, his name is Zach, he came to me, he was doing like one loan a month. Um, he came with me for, I hired him, in the end, as I hired him because, because I loved, I gave him a couple, I gave him a disc test. Um, I had our entire team interview him, just a great guy. And I looked, he had his own business, he failed at it. But he had his own business. Um, his motivation was really high. He had a wife and two kids. There's no higher motivation than that. And a mortgage payment. And uh, today, this is two years. And the reason why I brought him to this summit is he is averaging $4 million a month. So if you get a chance to see Zach today, um, he'll tell you his story. But he gets coached regularly. All right, so that was a big thing. Question, anybody else that, that some place that you would go? Yep, so let's wrap up the who and the how and the where to find them, right? So you told me that your top technique was sending a video to your database, your VIPs, and your referral partners. Also, on page 250, where are we? 258. 258. So I send an email out every time I'm looking to hire to all my realtors, all my title people, 
all my attorneys, hey, we're looking to expand again. And I actually gave you an example of what we write. And that's how I've hired probably 70% of our people. Right, 260 is that ad that he's talking about. So a video, it talks about an entry-level position, the opportunity for a career in the mortgage business and be a part of a top producing team. Look for these people in the service industry like we talked about. They must have sales or customer service experience. They need to be fun, energetic, driven, competitive. Continue to add a couple of things that are important to you, growth-minded. A big bonus, a multitasker. So I'm thinking waiters, right? That can handle four or five different tables and orders changing and can I change this, right? Someone who can operate in the chaos. Athletes. Athletes, people who are sharp dressed with some style. That's, that's out of Rick's. Some style. Um, they must be willing to follow you and believe in you. And I feel like the progression, while we'll give you some numbers and they're in your book, I feel like the progression is $50,000 the first year, $75,000 the second year, $100,000 to the, in the third year, right? Three years to 100, five years to 250. Now, my guy Aaron in his fourth year got to 325. My gal Brooke in her second year made 175, right? But we feel like 50, 75, 100. Five years to 250, right? Three years to 100, five years to 250 is what you can promise them if they do the work, they surrender, and they're a good soldier. So that's the why and what's in it for them. Do you want to add anything to that? So I'm just going to, I mean, we're going to break this down to, to three sections is compensation, and then the first three months, the next three months. And then what happens after that? So compensation. So I'm just gonna where our price points are a little bit higher. Um, we just thought I started everybody off, and this is really what you want to learn, right? This is what you want to say. Okay, how, what do we pay these guys? How do we train these guys? And then how do we hold on to them? That's for 12 months. It's not a draw. Very important. They have to get licensed. God bless you. They have to get licensed within 90 days. Very very important. Pay them 50 basis points on months 3 to 12. There's a reason for that. The first three months, they're not even going to have an opportunity to talk to anybody. And they have to be licensed. Um, they must, this is so important, they must be mentored by an experienced loan officer. If you don't have a mentorship program, they're not going to learn the right way. You can't be the one to teach them all the time. We'll save questions for after. Um, the mentor, LO, gets 50 basis points. It makes them super committed to the MLA's training. Um, on month 12, um, they're on a team with their mentor um, in the comp, the... Uh, Two-thirds of the mentors, all right, the teacher's comp, okay, goes to that LO, and the mentor gets a third. Um, they're officially, at that point, and we'll go over the progression, a junior loan officer. We call them a junior loan officer. So let's, let's summarize, make sure I'm understanding and following, because I know we've talked about this a few times. So they, came, they come in unlicensed. In the first 90 days, they are working on getting licensed. 
That's their main objective. In addition to shadowing and being mentored and sitting with an LP1, they are primarily doing LP1 work and studying to get licensed. They can't be out calling on realtors yet. They're not licensed. Does that make sense? Cool. At the end of 90 days, they're licensed and they're just a little bit dangerous and they don't know what they're doing. Right. And the the buy in from them is that working on your team that's generating 50 to 100 leads a month, that they will have the opportunity to screw up and you have the knowledge to fix. So they're not just trying to wing it and figure it out on their own. They get to learn in a high volume Model, right? In other words, it would take them five years on their own of generating leads, learning how to pre-qualify, how to structure this loan. What do you do on this kind of loan? What do you do with this kind of credit? I tell them that they're going to get in nine months on my team, five years worth of real career experience. The five years that it took all of us, most of us, figuring it out on our own, they're going to learn in the first year. That's the sell. That's the pitch, right? They're buying that opportunity to learn on the job, an apprenticeship, MLA, mortgage loan apprenticeship program, right? So 90 days to get licensed. They have three opportunities to take the test. It's in the book. You can follow. We've got this all written out on page 258. I think it's. I don't know what you do, but like I give them three chances to take and pass the test. If not, they're going to remain as an LP1 or if they're not LP1 material and they're truly sales material, we're going to have to terminate them if they are not smart enough to pass the test. That's how I feel. I love that, by the way. That was excellent. I'm going to make sure I have to write that down later because that was very good. Hey, you're going to give them all these years experience in such a short amount of time. That's why you're on my team. So I really like that. Cool. Um, I'm going to write that down. Um, it's really important. So I have a big team. Um, I make sure that we have a loan officer that's the mentor, and then we have a team captain that is in charge of their progression. I meet with them once a week myself. Now, caution, your team so go, is go not through, big. Go through the first three months with us, and then uh, let's talk about... Okay, but I want to know okay, exactly what you, what you do with a smaller team, okay. right? So you're oh, actually sure. the one so that the, If you're to. smaller, if you can relate to my size, more so than 30 loan officers and 260 loans a month at a branch, right? If you can relate to my size, then you get to be the benefit the beneficiary of having the MLA, which means they sit with you. In those first 90 days, they're going to realtor meetings with me and they're sitting quiet. They're sitting through loan applications with me. They're spending the majority of their day with my LP1 that's on the phone and converting leads to appointments, not converting my leads for the record, but converting leads to appointments, right? They're spending the day shadowing and learning in those first, in those first 90 days. Now, the benefit for me and my model is that I get the override on any business that they bring in in the first year. Scott doesn't have as much time. And so what he has the ability to do is provide his top loan officers with an MLA. The buddy program, right? They get to mentor and train. They get the passive income on on the revenue that that junior LO generates, right? And it's for those of you in the room that are a lot bigger than me, right, that have a bigger branch and a lot more people, you might not want to do this because you don't have the time to do it, right? And so the answer to that is assigning them to a successful loan officer already at your branch. Right. And you have a team leader has to own the process. So... I'm going to go over the first three months. So this was my aha moment. This was my game changer. This is what I learned from Rick. Um, 
this is what I've proven in my office to really work. So the first three months, what they're going to concentrate on is mortgage 101 training because you got to remember that most people that start, they could barely spell mortgage, right? So we have them take mortgage 101 training. If your company has an internal one, that's great. I know we've used Xenix in the past, just the first, the beginning. Um, they will teach the basic stuff. Xenix, X-I-N-N-I-S. So, Scott, make sure I understand. In the first three months, are they doing a loan officer program or are they focused on getting licensed? So they are, they are doing both. So they're, they're right. getting licensed. We got to remember, they're working in an eight-hour day. Okay, so the first three months, the first three weeks, they take this beginning mortgage 101 class. They gotta know the terms. They gotta know what we're talking about. You know, when we use the term pity, I don't want somebody to start crying. We want them to know exactly what that means. Um, so that, so we, we have um, an internal program that we use. Um, after that, it's a three week program. After that three weeks, this is during the first three months, um, they start studying for their NMLS test. All right, so we try to we start to get them licensed, but I don't want them to start learning about getting licensed before they understand about our program. Like, what's a mortgage? You know, how to calculate income. This stuff's going to be on their test. We got to make them understand it. Um, so this is what it looks like. Um, so it's mortgage 101 training. They start studying for their test. They take the test in the first three months. Here is exactly what we do. This is important not to miss anything. So number one, they attend a daily pipeline meeting. We have a daily pipeline meeting. They attend that meeting. They must ask one question. They must ask one question. They have an hour and a half a day studying. Um, they could, they could study um, for their test. They could study their mortgage 101, whatever period they are. But they could study an hour and a half, three hours a day. They're assisting an LP1 and the LP2 group. And then three hours a day, they're working in and assisting their MLO mentor. Basically, the first three months, they are LP1s. They are learning how to calculate income. They are learning it from the processing side, LP1, LP2, and then they're learning it from the loan officer side and working with an LP1. They're going to have input loans, help gather initial submission documents, scripting, all right, so they're, they're with the loan officer. These are all critical things. Um, any duties that the MLO uh, mentor needs. Now, it's really important. We have a weekly summary by the, the mortgage loan apprentice on what they learned for the week. It's very important. It's just like when you go to a class, we want to know what you learned for the day, right? We want to make sure that we communicated it right. So that's important, and we go over it with everybody. Um, every 30 days, they get an evaluation meeting and a survey. Okay, so this is critical. So we survey the MLA. We survey the LP1 and LP2 and the LO mentor. And they do a write-up every 30 days on... What has transpired over the 30 days? You get a great response. You find out exactly what's going on, and you can cut off problems before they even start. 
Uh, they go, they go on forever. So I'll tell you on the next, the next three months that we still do the same thing also. Um, so first three months, step one, licensed training, training, so shadowing, understanding, team meeting, right? Asking lots of questions, right? And some survey accountability stuff, right? And survey accountability, just like we do in the core, you got to have an, um, some type of accountability. On absolutely everything. Otherwise, it's really not going to be successful because I've done it wrong. Um, they take their NMLS test. It could be as early as month two. Um, generally, they they wait for the first three months. Carson, do you do anything different than that? Um, they get a little bit more of me, probably. Right. right. And um, I do a little bit more of the mortgage training knowledge. I also send them to a mortgage course, a ground school or flight school or maybe both or whatever it's called. Um, mixed reviews on how impactful that was. It's better than nothing, but it's 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 definitely better if they're in your meetings and they're learning from you. Right. That's definitely way better than them on a computer doing a generic course. But if you don't have the time and the ability to do it, put them on the course, right? So pretty much all the same in the first 90 days. I, I feel like, and I promise them that they need six to 12 months of LP1 work. Remember, the promise I gave them was that they could get five years of experience in the first year, right? That learning curve. We're going to take that five years of figuring out and they're going to learn it all in one year, right? And so I probably make sure they stay in that role a little bit longer. Plus, if I pour in and, and invest in them, they really only start getting good after about six months. So I want to ride the return on having taught them how to do LP1 work, right? So I, I want that in return. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. Can we move okay. to step two after their license? Okay, so right after the license, generally it's month four through six, right? This is, where, this is what I do. So they still attend the daily pipeline meeting. They have to have one written question on every single meeting. Very important. Why do you think that's so important? Anybody could take a guess? Paying attention. They're engaged. I want to make sure that they're engaged. They're engaged in every meeting. If they don't understand something, that question is going to tell us what they don't understand. Um, they have two hours of daily working and assisting the LP2 group. And they have two hours a day working and assisting their MLO uh, mentor. Um, we give them, we make sure that as soon as they come in, they have 30 minutes of studying guidelines and loan products. By the way, that 30 minutes will stay with them forever. Guidelines and loan products. At that point, we usually have them start the core level one. So it's real important. Um, I don't know if, if uh, Rick talked about it, um, but they've really stepped up level one. Um, it's actually incredibly exciting. Um, we have, uh, I think our company has like 63 people in that program we just put in there over the past uh, 60 days. Um, then we have them work on their list, right? So you're going to start becoming a loan officer. Remember, you're still learning how to be an LP1. You're working with the LP1 group. You're working with an LP2 group. And you're still working with your MLO mentor. So you're still getting hands-on training. Um, we have them start the core level one. And we start them having, we start creating a top 40 realtor list, their VIP list. We want them to start getting focused. And that's when we bring in the core forms. 
We teach them about the greatness tracker. They're not going to be able to do the greatness tracker all the way, but we teach them about the greatness tracker. We don't do this on month one through three because they will lose their will to live, right? They're not going to understand. Remember your first time, you looked at the greatness tracker. So I want to make sure that you guys heard that, right? He, Scott said something really important. He said that we put them on level one audio program, the core level one. Why? Because I don't want to explain to them how to fill out a lead checker. I don't want to explain to them how to, you know, how, how to do the forms at the level one, how to, how to create a top 40 list, right? That spells it out month by month by month, right? So if I can delegate that piece of sales training, why wouldn't I when it's congruent with my, our belief system, right? We're core trained. Why wouldn't we delegate that? Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Well, I pay for it. I pay half, sorry. They get 50% and they pay 50%. They always have to have skin in the game. The branch. So, so my branch pays for half. The student pays for half. No, they have to pay for it separately. No, no, I like it when it comes off their credit card. Okay, we do that separately with the core. Okay, now, the fun part. This is where I get really excited. Okay, we start giving them a little bit of, of awesome training. They have to attend 100 open houses in 90 days. 100 now, before you get nervous. It's Sunday open houses, and during the week there's broker opens. They could go with any loan officer. They can't go by themselves. So they could pick any loan officer. They make out their schedule. They have to attend 100 open houses. You talk about on-the-job training, learn how to deal with realtors, learn some of the struggles. That gets them really going. What do you do? Same they thing, do 100 by the end of one year. So I make them turn in a hundred business cards by the end of their first year, right? So some of them are ready to go and chomping at the bits at 90 days. Some came to me already licensed. And so we just tweak the first 90 days because they're already licensed. So you have to be able to adapt. Scott said it earlier in the class. We're talking about newbies, the next generation. And we're also talking about some that just haven't had the direction and they're less than three years in the business and only doing a loan or two a month, right? So those can all fit in this, in our model. And I feel like they need to be in front of 100 realtors by the end of the first year. Yep. Do you have a measure for how many loan compensations they sit in as many as they can? I don't so have a metric. You the first have 90 days, you, we, what we do is just measure them by the amount. They have to bring in their uh, business cards. You really can't give them a metric those first 90 days after that. All right. After that, you can. All right. They have to just show they went to it. And then, then we will survey... Each loan officer, okay, that took them to these these open houses. Um, now, this is I'll stay with questions today afterwards. Um, what a, this is real important. Also, this is something. These are things that have really taken my program from probably one of the worst programs to one of the best programs and one of the most effective ones. So they have to every single day they have to text their their MLO mentor every single day. How many people they talk to? Did they get a lead? And anybody they talk to, this is important, did they get a second appointment? We are now introducing them to extreme accountability.
This is really a greatness tracker, but you're, you've got daily accountability on it. That's and exactly then they're turning right. in the greatness tracker at the end of the turning week the and reviewing tracker. it with their loan officer that, that, that they are assigned to, or if it's just you, they're turning that into you. Okay, so they have to text their mentor the amount of contacts they made, any leads, where the lead came from, what was the result, and more importantly, this is what we really we measure, is did they get a second appointment, right? How effective were they? And remember, we're still doing a weekly summary by the MLA on what they have learned, and, it, and at the end of that next, every one of those 30 days, we survey their LP1, their LP2, and their mentor for a progress report. So we want to make sure, we want to make sure that they are super engaged. Now, I'm going to tell you that I, I figured out that every MLA candidate that we hire costs us about 50 grand. Right? Figure $30,000 salary, you got salary, you got benefits, taxes, and then you got training. It's about $50,000. So when you hire somebody, you're going to say, hey, is this person worth $50,000? Well, I want to make sure that just like anybody else that works in my office, they have metrics and they achieve these things. So we keep them super engaged. If they can't keep up, we're going to know it and we're going to cut really quick. Scott, do you believe in if we're doing this once, we should be doing it in groups of two? I heard you say I did. I hired two. I hired three. I hired two. Do you believe that we should do this in groups? Yeah. So we'll never do more than three in a group, but we'll definitely do them up to three in a group. If you have a small branch, three may not be fiscal, right? $150,000 commitment may not be fiscal. That's $12,000 a month, right? But that's what it's going to cost you. So you got to make a decision because I'll be honest with you. When I first hired my first three, I'm like, I just want an MLA program. I want a farm system. You know, Rick's talking about a, a farm system. Well, I got one. I just didn't have any teeth in it. So now I put some teeth in it and I know that there's a cost. So every head is $50,000 and that's how I look at it. All right. Let's go to month six through 12. This is really important. Um, so you know, like, in the core, we always talk about teams. So either you're on a team or you have a team. So we put them on a team because there's no way they can have a team after six months. Um, so the compensation, now six months. So they've, they've gone through the training, they've passed their test, they've gone to open houses, they're starting to fill out the core forms, they're in level one on the core. Um, so the compensation month six through 12, they're on a team with their mentor. Um, once they hit two or three deals a month um, or 20 units, they're off salary. So make sure you write this down, right? The first three months is license. The next six to 12, right, months three through 12, they're on a salary plus 50 basis points is what Scott and I both agree on, right? Once they're closing two to three loans a month at 50 basis points, <laughs> It starts to make sense potentially to move them off of the base and to a, what we now go from MLA to junior loan officer. That would be the step three, the graduation from the MLA program. For some people, it's going to take six months. For others, for Brooke, it took 13 months, right? That works for me. So at the end of that 
salary plus 50 basis points, we move to the, the next compensation model, which is going to be two-thirds of the loan, which is what you were saying, two-thirds of the loan officer's total pay. So to keep this really simple, if you make 120 basis points, then 80 basis points would then go to the junior loan officer and you would make the one-third override. They get your LP2 support and they're still in your team meeting. You want to add to that? Did you do anything different than that? So, all right, so the, the, the comp, no, I do exactly that. So the comp's the same. Um, they are now engaged in the team. They've worked with everybody. It's not, you know, we want to make sure that they're having a little bit of fun. Um, they are super engaged. They are accountable. And so this happens every single time. There are no exceptions for a new person. The only exception is if somebody comes to you, like Zach, he was doing a couple of loans a month. I think he was doing only one, sometimes two loans a month. Um, you know, now he's doing 12. Um, you know, obviously he knew about, he was licensed. He knew about uh, mortgage glossary terms. And so we just started him as if he was in month six. Okay. Cool. So if, if we can, let's break off in groups of three and let's talk up, share your experience with this program, what you've done and what you'll do differently based on the, the first 12 month training program. Go ahead. All right. So it's it's what you have learned, something that you picked up from this class so far that you're going to use. Alright, so what you're talking about at your table is what you picked up. Hey guys, just like loan officers, they just keep talking. Okay. Alright, so the question was at your table, right? What have you, what have you learned so far? What are you going to change in your MLO process right now that's going to have an impact? Let's start with this table. More accountability. More accountability, how? Well, like you said, I got to add on the cards. Okay, more accountability. Okay, so that that really is the key. Okay, to just have a structured training program, right? Scott, I got one over here. Okay, what are you guys going to do differently? Uh, on the fly. On the fly. Um, I think the mentoring partner up groups of two. Cool. More accountability and mentoring in okay. pairs. Gail, how about this table? What? Okay. Structure and metrics. Structure and metrics, right? Which is really what the core is all about. So from our table, we really like the idea of a time block, structured daily time block for the apprentice. Daily time block. Todd? So uh, we've got more MLAs than anyone, and the number one thing we found is we used to let anyone hire MLAs, but now it's the top 30 loan officers in Summit so that because they're good leaders, they have have to have at least an LP1 and LP2. It, it won't work if you set them up with someone and they may do 10 loans a month, but they've got one LP and they're not a good leader. They're not really invested in the person, right? They've got to have those leadership skills. And you guys know who those are in your branches. Don't, weaker people, even if they might be good producers, don't make that mistake. That's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. So you don't want to have just anybody Right, hire an MLA because this is a hard program, right? And if they're not structured themselves, they can't. Carson, you have Kuchik? Yep. 
six years ago, I hired my first MLA, and the mistake I made was I didn't have in writing the timelines that we were going to hit different stages. So there was no hope for that candidate. He just thought he was stuck in the LP role indefinitely. And so I learned to put it in writing. Here's stage one, stage two, stage three. Okay. Isn't that true of everyone? Right? Okay. Where are we going? What's the vision? Exactly. Of Let's take one more. This table? Chad? I got one over here. I like, I like just having the two and having the competition, and, and they can team up on open houses, and they go divide and conquer the open houses. That okay. Two is great. I got one last one. Uh, the question is, if, if you're a smaller branch, what's the time commitment? So if it's just like me, if I'm 50% of my branch production, I don't have, like Todd was saying, a bunch of other top producers. What's the time commitment from for us in something like this? First, I asked that question to say that I'm right next to you because that's I, what he I does. love that question. So uh, three years ago, I was 100% of the branch production. Can anybody relate to that? Cool. So now I'm about 48% of the branch production only because of this program, right? So in the beginning, the time commitment was they just shadowed me and they sat with my team. And I didn't have more stuff or I was too busy to go sit with the processor. Then we sent them to corporate and they sat with underwriting and closing for a couple of days each because I didn't have time. So I just had them sitting with people. So in the beginning, it's a lot of you and a lot of your team. Hey, Great question. What happens when they get... They start averaging over five deals a month. What happens then? Awesome. So the goal is we get them to the, the expect. So I'm sorry. The expectation for them is five loans a month, right? If I promise them five years to 250, three years to 100, they can probably get to 100 at four or five loans a month. So I tell them that the expectation, the bare minimum, and I heard Josh say it yesterday in the general session or in one of the classes, his expectation per loan officer at his company was how many, Josh? 36 the first year, 66. 36 the first year, 60 the second year. Tell them that's what you expect. They don't know any better. You can't have people at your branch doing one or two loans a month because they're setting the wrong example and they cost you money and it's poor leadership, right? It's five deals a month is the expectation in the second and third year. At five loans a month, they're ready to graduate from the junior loan officer position. That needs to be their choice, right? Because there will be people, and Josh, I know you've had a lot of experience with this, that would prefer to be a junior loan officer Forever, why? It's safer. it's safer. They get your more of you, and most importantly, they get your what? They get your back end team. They get your LP too, and they can sit with whoever helps structure your loans just to review their files. Now, they also have to be committed to hiring an LP one. Once By they loans, roll, right? If they're Once going they to roll, roll so the, the sorry for interrupting. Yep. The group that doesn't roll gets your team. The group that is ready, they're like, hey, I'm closing five loans a month. You make about how much a deal? I'm like, oh, I only make like 60 points, right? But you, they start doing the math and they're thinking, wow, I could make 100, 110, 120 one day on, on these five loans. Well, that's like a million two or a million five in monthly production. And they're thinking, wow, I could start making 12 to 15 grand a month. I'm ready to roll off and do this on my own. And then what Scott said, which I believe in, and so does Rick is that they are either on a team or they're committed to having a team. And that's really important. I don't believe, we at the core don't believe, so it's what I believe, that you can be a freelance solo dude with no team. It doesn't work. And if I'm selling the vision that they can be me, 
right? That's why they came to work for me five years to 250. After that, it's as big as you want to dream, brother. I don't care which way they go. If they want to stay on my team and I'll take 50 points in perpetuity. Great. If they want to be a loan officer and I'll make 40 points on the branch off of their production. Great. One last thing and I'm going to turn it back over to you. Just think about if you did two per year for five years. Jason Heim, you and I were having that conversation exactly last night, right? In five years, you would have how many? You would have 10. And if the minimum expectation closings per month is how many? Five. How many additional loans at your branch would that be? 50 loans. In my market, that's $15 million per month. Plus my production, Todd, is that a decent small net branch? That would be, if it was only me and these 10, that would be 75 loans a month. This is why you want to talk to Carson, by the way. So I'm only at year two of this, guys, and I do 25 and they do 25. We do 50 loans a month. We make 47 points. I make a little more money on the branch because these guys don't cost quite as much money. Because their pay is a trade-off for the training, the mentoring. That's what's in it for them. So there's more. We have to figure out a way to drive costs down. Todd taught a class on that, right? We've got to get the cost to acquire, the cost to originate loans down. And Scott, you and I both believe that this is the way to do that. One of the ways to do that. And it accomplishes growing your branch. Worst case scenario, they're a really good LP1, but they just can't really sell on their own. What do you do with them? Do an LP1? They're really good at the loan stuff. Uh They're pretty good on the phones. They just don't like getting dressed up and calling on realtors. They turn into awesome LP2s. Awesome. By the way, so my stat just came up. We have this uh, great reporting tool. So in four years, just from the the, uh, mortgage loan apprentice program, We've increased our annual production for the branch, $146 million, and we've added seven great loan officers. I heard $146 million. Yep. $146 million. million dollars. Yep. Um, all together in all these years, in all the years. So $334 million in four years added to the income. The average profit is probably approximately 48 basis points, $1.6 million over four years. It's a great program. It really is. This has made you at 1.6. This 1.6. made me 200000 last year with two. If I had 10, it might make me how much? 500 to a million probably. It's probably worth my time. They may require a little bit of time out of me, but it's worth it. And remember, if my fear is letting people down, then growing and developing people is my calling and my passion. What a better way than to really pour into someone and change their life, right? Show them how to make two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year, right? How to pay it forward and give that gift of what we've been given to pay that forward and teach the next generation. Oh, and oh, by the way, it helps you with your P&L and with your with your income. Yeah. How about we cover? We've got about 25 minutes left. Let's cover some mistakes and then let's cover. We're going to do a whole bunch of Q&A on this. OK, we'll do a couple. Mistakes yeah, let's do some mistakes. So you go first because I made a book. OK, cool. So I started doing this five or six years ago and I thought um, they should be a dialer for the first six months. And it was awesome. They got me in front of lots of realtors. Um, the ones that were really good at dialing and setting appointments for me that were super salesy and slick on the phones that I taught and trained and had them like memorize Josh's scripts. 
they were robotic. They couldn't learn how to do loans and they just really didn't care about the relationships. It was just about getting the appointment, right? So I made some mistakes. So I thought, well, those guys um, aren't, a couple of them weren't really good at doing loans. And so I made them dialer. What was next? Okay, let's do it. Be a marketing rep, right? So then I made him a marketing rep. And then he's like, yeah, I'm making pretty good money, but I want to make your kind of money. I was like, okay, we're going to build you a team and be a loan officer. And, 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 and that guy didn't work out. Another one didn't work out. If I think about the other mistakes I've made, it was probably number one, not recognizing that they were burned out in the role, not recognizing probably even more importantly, the, that they kind of withdrew some of the warning signs was that I didn't notice and pick up on the withdrawal. And I think that was probably a, a, a sign of their, them being discouraged, right? Does that make sense? I didn't pick up and identify and the other mistake I probably have made is not pouring into them and having enough of a relationship with them. So when I go back and think of the ones of the seven I've done this with, the two really good ones I have right now are the ones that I did it exactly this way and the ones that I'm in really deep relationship with. And I think that's been the difference and that's why their income has skyrocketed because they want my approval and I'm vested in them. That makes sense? I, don't yeah, know. I love that Carson, by the way. So we were talking about this and, and we had some distinct problems that we figured out and we figured out solutions every time these problems happen and we developed the system so it doesn't happen again. So the, a mistake I made is I didn't have everyone on our team interview the person. Everyone on our team interviews everyone. And it just happened literally about four weeks ago. I was, I really liked this one person and we had our staff interview and a couple of the staff members, especially the senior staff members, said, I think you're wrong. And you know, I, I was probably wrong. And I probably was blinded a little bit because I was saying, I was looking at, at other things. So you gotta have your whole team interview. Um, I hired a friend's son one time. Big mistake, big mistake. My wife said, you should never do that the day I did it. I said, oh, it's gonna work out. It didn't work out. Um, but Carson said, I wasn't engaged enough. Listen, I just told you that over four years, $1.6 million of profit. How do you not be engaged? How do you not make this a part of your process and develop a process? And what Carson is awesome at, and what I do all the time, is I follow a process all the time. I want to add three more mistakes I made. I had to regroup on my notes here, and I wrote them down. Um, number one, I made a mistake of letting my LP1 work their leads. Why is that a mistake? They got to learn how to work their own leads. Exactly. Second mistake I made. I didn't coach them on our stuff and teach them our stuff, right? Our forms. That's where the level one audio is going to come into play. They're going to start learning our forms and our stuff. Mistake number three. I didn't get rid of someone who couldn't get licensed. He was sales and not operational, and I let him try and try. He got discouraged, more discouraged, stayed on longer. That didn't work out. And so 90 days, the expectation is to be licensed. Give them a deadline of 120 or 180 or whatever it needs to be for you. Okay. So we had three objectives when we started this class. Where to find MLAs, how to hire them. That was number one. Does anybody have any questions on number one? Where to hire them? Yes. Um, I'm not sure, but um, 
I find the gap between our generation, the average age of the world is 55, so we're similar to your profession. Uh, we're almost two generations removed from the new generation. So I'm really curious how the, do you ever consider recruiting events? Do you use different language to entice the younger generation? Uh, are you using social media, videos to entice that generation? I think there's, there's, so there's a there's definitely a generation gap, I mean, especially me. There's a generation gap. I have a lot of people. The average age in my office is 25 to 35. Um, that's why I listen to them often. Um, they are they're a lot different than us. They sometimes they may be a little entitled. I have kids. They're in their 30s. Um, I try to raise them so they're not entitled. Uh, but um, sometimes I just shake my head. But you're absolutely right. There, there is, and you know what? This is a, it's a young crew coming up, and I make sure that when I look to hire, I hire people. We have people that are older. I hire some young people because they have to relate, just in case I can't. Let me add to that real quick on millennials and next generation, since that's what we're talking about. I heard Josh say it yesterday, and I've heard it before. What do millennials want? Knowledge. Knowledge. And to be a part of something. What is this program? Knowledge and to be a part of a team. And if they want to stay and be a part of my team forever, that's great. Yeah. Right? So absolutely, that's the target audience. That's what we're selling and that's what we want. Todd? One is, I want you guys to think of the seven that you have combined. What were their ages? I just want you to say their ages out loud when you hired them. What were your two, roughly? Um, 28 and 22, anywhere from 20 to 29 for all of them. What were yours? 24, 25, 29. Zach was 36. Um, he was the oldest one. Uh, they're generally between 25 and 30. Okay. Any question on where to find them or how to hire them? Scott? Oh, so the question was, awesome was question. any disc personality profile that you would avoid? So we do to give them a disc test, and I just added something because we have, I have this guy coaching me right now, really, really smart guy, and he told me something called the grit test. Has anybody heard about the grit test besides Josh Sigmund? Okay. So it, the uh, author is Angela Duckworth, and... I am giving, starting to give this to everyone. I think it's better than the uh, disc test, take the truth. Okay, so that'll tell you. All right, any final questions? I don't want to run out of time. I got I want to a couple sure. over here. Okay. So, so piggyback on that, uh, does anybody have any experience using Manesh's uh, assessments that go real deep into natural tendencies to dig in? Are they going to succeed in this uh, role? Mark, I, have, I haven't, but... I think the key right now is having everybody on your team interview the person. You get a lot of information. And Josh said something yesterday, which I'm putting into my plan. Have the person on their last interview day go out to lunch with a couple of people on your team. I thought that was ingenious because they already think they got hired. They're going to let their hair down. They're going to tell them things that you are going to want to know. So do we have a little bit more, and then we want to finish with Q&A, right? Yeah. We just got like two more minutes. Any question on training and developing? 
Right. Grace, there's, no. there's several more. Jamie? Uh, it's not training, but people are saying that our um, um, profession, like a law officer and realtors, you know, will be gone like in 10 years. I know that they, t- they said that 10 years ago. She's saying that our, our profession is going to be gone in like 10 years. How many times have I heard that one before? We're going to be still be here. Jason? What's your biggest, uh, this question for you, what's your biggest struggle when providing an officer? Well, you know, um, everybody in my office is, so the way to work in my office is you have to be trained in the core methodology, right? So everybody's on the same plan. If you're not, you're, you're not in my office. Um, so I don't, the only thing that I worry about sometimes is that the LO is gonna use the trainee too much. Okay, so that's why we have everybody surveyed. We got uh, one over here. Um, so question is, um, in regards to the interview process, um, I've heard multiple times uh, have your team interview the person. Is that a formal interview? Is that an informal interview? Is there a format they follow? Because I was just like, oh, I'm doing that. And I can see my team. I just closed my eyes. I could see them be like, what do you mean? Like, what? Are, what how do we interview them? Like, so what, what does that look like? So for me, it's a formal interview. We have forms for it. They fill out an interview form and they fill out an assessment form. So for me, this is different than hiring a team member. For me, this is hiring someone who one day is going to be me. Right. And so what I'm looking for is someone that I think is going to be coachable, that will surrender. Like one of the guys I hired answered a processing ad and he said, I don't know anything about processing, but I'm a fast learner. I'll work 30 days for free to prove myself. I was like, you would suck as a processor, but I do want to talk to you. Right. (laughs) That's what you're looking for. So when I have my team meet with them, I want them to gauge how likable this person is how coachable this person will be. I don't care what they know or they don't know. We're talking about unskilled entry-level people, right? They have to be super likable, charming. They gotta have some fire in their belly and be driven. That, that would be my two cents on that. Yes, another question. So I'm having a hard time wrapping around why you don't make them get licensed before they join you. So if it costs you $50,000 per employee and you're bringing someone on and they don't pass the test, you've just wasted 90 days. No, I haven't because there's a chance, if they don't pass the test, there's a chance I'm going to get an awesome LP1 or an awesome LP2. And, and you know what? I like them. I can't let them study by themselves. I want them to study our way. We have a couple of strategies how to study for the test. And so I'm willing to take that. I'm willing to take a chance on somebody. Me too. 100%. Yeah. I'll take you if you're already licensed. But if you're not licensed, I will not exclude you from the opportunity for this. To be clear, your PAs are not licensed. Like my, your LP1s and LP2s are not licensed. My LP1s and LP2s, LP2s are licensed, LP1s are not licensed. It is not mandatory because they don't talk uh, rate and product. Chad? Could you do like a quick time block in uh, step uh, months four through six, what that looks like, just time split between LP1, LP2 work, and prospecting? I would love to. I will give you the exact one. Um, four through six, okay. So um, they attend the daily pipeline meeting. Must have a written question, very important. Don't forget that. Two hours a day working with the LP2 group. Two hours a day working with their mentor as an LP1. And they start their day every single day, 30 minutes 
studying guidelines and loan products. Months four through six. How many hours is that? Months four through six, 30 minutes on guidelines, guidelines. four hours with the team, right? Yep. Four hours with the team, and then what do they do with the other four hours? And then they start doing some of the other activities, right? So they're starting to create a greatness tracker. They're starting to work with their lead tracker. They're starting to do their open houses. You have more questions. Wait, I've got to give somebody else a chance. Steve? Uh, this goes back to the first, uh, uh, first step with uh, where to find people. So you said to uh, advertise to uh, your base, your realtors, your VIP group, your past customers. Do you suggest doing a weekly ad also in some format? I don't really like ads. It costs money. Um, we'll do something on social media. I don't know how to do that, but we have somebody that does that. Uh, but I send an email out. It's been so effective. You can think about it. You send that an email to all your realtors all your attorneys, all your tighter people, and say, hey, I'm expanding again. This is what I'm looking for. I've hired 70% of my positions that way, and it was free. So you've got these notes in your book also. Step one is how to find them. Step two was the zero through 12 months. Step three is how to get them to 100,000 and then to 250. You guys should know how to get them to 250 because you went through that. For me, it's coaching and core style coaching. I swap some of mine with another core coach, and I coach his. Right, that's what works. You could do the exact same thing and have that mentoring and that coaching on the same exact forms. Anything else on the retention and growth that you want to add? And we'll finish with a couple more questions and wrap up. Other than survey them, make sure they're super engaged. Um, listen, if anybody wants, um, you shoot me an email. I'll just send you our program. Actually, I'll send it to the core, and you could email your uh, concierge, and you can see what mine looks like. Perfect. We're going to do a few more Q&A. If you don't have a question, go ahead and get your phone out and snap the, uh, what's that called? QR code. And I thought I was thingy. the old one. Um, does their volume roll up under you? Are they closing in your name or their own name? Oh, or, and when, if they are rolling up under you, when do you make that switch for them? Because I, I find a problem with that. My loan officers feel like they can't go out and sell my name on their forms. Good question. Okay. How do you so, handle that? So you could do it either way. So I like letting them put loans in their own name, okay, because they own it, they start getting great numbers, and that's really what I want to do. Now, the retention part is really important because what you don't want is you don't want them to start saying, hey, wait a second. These guys are all offering me other, all kinds of money. I'm going to go someplace else. And next thing you know, you did all this training, and they're gone. It's our biggest fear. So we keep them really engaged, and we monitor them. And there's a point where we say, okay, you're starting to do a couple loans a month. You know, maybe we're going to accelerate this a little bit. Bruce? Yeah, so you're investing a lot into them. Um, are you entertaining any type of non-compete clause or anything for them at this point? I mean, there's a lot invested in these people, and you're training people, and then you got these recruiters that are all over them. So, I mean, that's more of a, of a legal question, Bruce. Um, I do believe, and, and Todd, maybe you could share some light on this. If you spend money to train somebody, you are entitled to get a certain non-compete. But don't ask me. I'm not an attorney. Ask your legal counsel. Carson, we have somebody in the back? Yeah, my question is from initial contact to make it an offer. Is there a 10-step hiring process, or do you follow the same oh, one? Oh, I like that. That's, a really, that's an excellent question. So we do this with everybody. We create a Ritz-Carlton raving fan experience. So what we'll do is from the initial offer, okay, two days later, 
Connie in my office will call and say, hey, Josh, this is Connie from Scott Foreman's office. I'm so happy you're going to be joining us. I'm doing your desk now. Is there anything I can get you? Anything special? They feel like a million dollars. Three days later after that, Linda, my assistant, will call them. Hey, this is Linda, Scott Foreman's assistant. We're so happy you're joining us. I'm doing this structure. I just want to see if you want to, you're going to start your class this day and we're going to put you in the NMLS class this day. I just want to confirm it with you. We do a couple of those because what used to happen was people used to start to say, hey, we're accepting your offer and then they wouldn't start. Have you had active LOs within your group who are maybe struggling on volume want to go into this program? Have you had any success or have you tried that? No, because we coach them. We have metrics for them. If they're not closing a certain amount of loans and we're teaching them, then we have to punt, right? It's not gonna, it's not gonna work. And that's something that took me about 15 years to figure out. What are your expectations for your new hires and hours per week? Especially if you have them doing open houses on the weekends and things. Okay. And that's so, in your book as well. So, they work, they work a 40 hour work week. Uh, because once they're licensed and they're able to get commission, their hours, there is no expectations. There's an expectation on what is supposed to be accomplished. So it's results driven. I think I tell them it's 50 hours a week. You're going to be working on the weekends. Once you get to that step two where you're starting to meet realtors, it's, hey, dude, you want to be me? I did whatever it took in the beginning. It's going to take a lot of work. You're going to have to, like, walk through a wall if that's what we need to get the results. So it's whatever it takes. When those guys are out there selling open houses and or hitting the phones, trying to land appointments with real estate agents, are they saying, hey, I'm Johnny New Guy, come meet me? Or are they saying, hey, I'm on Carson Vaughn's team? And are they leveraging your name and your team? And then if they do a land it, do you go to that appointment? So they'll say I'm from Scott Foreman's office because I have a great name in my area. Um, but they're using their name. They're a loan officer. I want them to own it. I agree. Um, I don't know if this will help any of you. Um, so what I started doing is I went through depression for a long time in my life. And now I do a lot of group coaching for a lot of my VIPs and other professionals that I know. I coach their kids on confidence and other things for professional reasons. So every Monday night from 8 to 10 o'clock at my office, I have 20 to 30 young professionals who come in who are just trying to get their life started. So a lot of them end up coming to me afterwards saying, how did you get into real estate? How did you get into whatever you're doing? And I brought on three or four people from that group. I don't know if that will help you. Networking is great, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a great thing. I hope we're able to, to help you. Um, this is a great program. I want you to just remember that my actual profit was $1.6 million in four years. Not including my first year, which I lost 150. <laughs> I left that part out. Hey guys, so before you leave, make sure you've taken a picture of oh. the QR code. Make yes. sure that you give us a, a really high score. If you can't give us a high score, find us afterwards and make sure that we answer any questions that you yeah. don't have. If anybody, looking... if anybody feels that we didn't deserve a, a five, please see us because I want to help you a little bit more. And let's give it up for Scott Foreman and Carson. <laughs> listening to the CORE's Sales Training Boot Camp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at www.thecoretraining.com.